tour all night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, head over to patreon.com slash songsoftoryamos. There you'll see what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Once again, that's patreon.com slash songsoftoryamos to help us continue to make high-quality and Torytainment for you. Well, good morning, everybody. Today is, well, we're not talking about today. Let's talk about last night first. Last night was March 31st, 2023, and Tori Amos was in Liverpool, and I was not there. And that'll be the last show. That'll be the last show I'm not at until Copenhagen. But here's the set list from last night, and we're going to start off strong because I got a will. I got God. I knew it. I put God versus bouncing. One of them was bound to come out. So God, Ocean Ocean, Crucify, Crazy, A Sort of Fairy Tale, Pandora's Aquarium, Scarlet's Walk. That was the debut. And it was solo, along with a solo cover of the Rodgers and Hammerstein classic, You'll Never Walk Alone. The return of edition of Light Divided. I mean, sometimes. Little Amsterdam, Beauty of Speed, Spring Haze, and Cornfleet Girl to close the main set. I thought it was an opener now. And the encore was Take to the Sky and Precious Things. I'm here in my hotel room in uh, London. We saw, me and Michael saw Buck's Fizz. How'd it go? How'd you like it? We had a great time. (laughs) We did have a great time. Michael was not ready to be on the show. Um, I'm here in the hotel room and it's, I'm very excited. Tomorrow, today, you're listening to the Cambridge pre-show, even though we were talking about Liverpool. Um... You're, this, today's my first show, and I'm on the road. I'm headed to Cambridge probably right now as you're listening to this. So we're going to get into this pre-show. Um, this is the first show also for my phone. Do you hear a difference? Am I talking too loud? I'll have to hear it back. This will, this will be a test. This is the test. Okay, so Cambridge tonight, April 1st, 2023, and we're going to be the Cambridge Corn Exchange, which is the home of one of my very first bootlegs. One of my very, very, very first bootlegs was born at the Cambridge Corn Exchange. So I'm excited to go hear the acoustics for myself. I'm excited to hear these famed acoustics for myself. So that's going to that's gonna happen. Okay, what are we doing? What are we doing on the pre-show? Oh, I have to tell you who the... Okay, first of all, thanks to Shay and Jen. Shay and Jen really took over the spreadsheet last night. So they deserve and earned. They didn't even... They don't even deserve it. They earned it. An extra bonus point, which led each, which led me to thank anybody who volunteered to do a night of spreadsheet gets a bonus point and is that is that going to change the course of the game or are you going to want to volunteer to do the spreadsheet and what does that do to the people on the ground who already have the advantage they have the advantage of being on the ground so they know it's being requested they're talking about it they can hear the sound check and i heard that crazy was sound checked along with a certain sort of fairy tale a sort of fairy tale so People on the ground have that advantage. So the people at home need an advantage. So if you volunteer to do a night of spreadsheet and collecting of the data, which isn't that difficult, it's just typing. It's really just typing. And if you type 55 words a minute, you could get it done in one and a half minutes. So um, if you volunteer, you get a bonus point, and that is that. Okay, but with that being said, I pulled from the digital Torical the bonus song, and it was Past the Mission, and we had about four people, I think it was maybe four or five, who chose Past the Mission, so you got an extra bonus point there as well, and I have, see, it's hard to do it on my phone because, okay, I'm going to try it. On my phone is the Wheel of Names, Uh uh-oh, am I still recording? That's the thing. Hello? Can you hear me? On my phone is the Wheel of Names, and... Let's see who won. See, I don't know if it's going to stop. Everything is, this is what, you know, that's it. I need to bring a recording studio. Okay, the Wheel of Names. This is for the winner. 
This is for the this is for the participation prize. And I'll post this video. Oh, I won't because I forgot to record the video. <laughs> it's fine. The winner is the bonus winner is uh, Marie Marie Sand. Let's look it up. Marie Sand. Are you Marie Sand? M E R I S A N D. M Marie underscore Sand. I think on Twitter or maybe Instagram. One of the two. If that's you, you're tonight's participation prize winner. Congratulations. And okay, I'm doing my wills and wants for Cambridge. Do you have any wills and wants for Cambridge? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon to tell. Anything about corn? I'm going to say Scarlet's Walk because it's about the fields. Cornflake Girl. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, Disqualified Songs. Disqualified Songs. Addition of Light Divided. You think that one? Yes. Ocean to Ocean. Cornflake Girl. I'm going to add in. Is it time to add in Precious? Do you think it's time to add in Precious Things? Or is it time to add in? Yep. I'm going to add in Precious Things for a Disqualified Song. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever, but I'm doing it. Precious Things is now disqualified along with, hello, me again. I fucked that up. Here's the actual disqualified list. It is Ocean to Ocean, God, Cornflake Girl, Precious Things, and Addition of Light Divided, or the Light Bulb song. Light Bulb. I'm just going to call it Light Bulb. Light Bulb is now disqualified. Well, with that being said, I hope I'm still recording. Yeah, seems like I am. Okay, cool. I'll see you on the road. This is going to be much easier to do in front of the venue with other people. Have a nice night. Hello, Eve. This is Tanya and Tolly and Reggie checking Hi. in. Hello. <laughs> We're checking in from the lobby of the Ibis Hotel that we checked out of this morning because five minutes ago our coach to London to get to Cambridge was supposed to leave, but that got cancelled while we were sitting at the show. So now we've got a couple of hours to kill because we rebooked on a train and we thought we'd tell you about the amazing show we just saw. Um, yeah, um, there's a nice 90s, early aughts soundtrack going on in the background. I hope it's not too loud. We are very much enjoying this, I can tell you. <laughs> okay, so the show. Um, <laughs> so she started off with God, which I was convinced was Juarez for a whole three yes. seconds. Yes, same. <laughs> And then I heard the hoo-hoos, and I knew we were with God, <laughs> well and truly. <laughs> God was in that room tonight, Eve. And so was her mom. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think that's why she sang from a musical. I think that's why she sang Carousel. Not just the Liverpool connection. We had it... some teary moments, and I don't remember which song. Tanya would be more accurate with this. But there was a, when she sang the word mama, she sang it really softly. And she Little looked, Amsterdam. Little Amsterdam. And she looked at, this, at, the, at the ceiling, you know how she used to look up and go somewhere. She had a teary lump and it was really, really moving. Yeah. Her mum was with her tonight. The emotion of the whole show was incredible. Like every, every song was just so executed so well. Like Crucify and Crazy were like great. So many yeah. standing ovations. Yes. Oh, I feel like yeah. we half of the down. set. Like I you would were say. sitting on a bed of nails. Yes. It was up and down and up and down. And up I will and down. say that probably sitting at home looking at the set, it doesn't look that exciting because there were no band debuts. Yeah. But honestly, Eve, this was Top far tip. and away the best show I mean, so far. Yeah. Matt Page was having a near <laughs> breakdown of love for this show. Yeah. Like, Her he vocals. Rhapsodizing about yes. this show. We all were. Yeah. Her vocals. Were the 2014 vocals phenomenal with the bands? Yeah, I would agree with that. 
she, she hits high notes that she hasn't hit in almost a decade. Crucify was perfect. The bridge on Crucify hasn't been, hasn't sounded like that in, I can't even tell you how long. And I think there's even like, there were songs that were repeats. And even though I'd heard them in Edinburgh or heard them last tour, I was so thrilled to hear them again, just because of how she was playing them and how she was performing them. Like it was so amazing to get to hear those songs again and see them the way she did them tonight. I think it was just really, really interesting to watch. So what else can we tell you? Um, she didn't really do what everyone thought she was gonna do because there were a lot of like options that she could have gone with for this show because obviously there was Trump's indictment, which I guess is maybe the most foremost thing I would say that was on her mind given how much Scarlet she did. But she didn't do any Beatles covers, which no. most people expected. No, I'm the waves, but the cover she did do was iconic to Liverpool. Reggie yeah. can explain why as yeah. a local far better than I can. So it's the song that's associated with the Liverpool Football Club and the Hillsborough disaster where people died. And also during the pandemic, it was a song of sort of solidarity that came out with the NHS. I remember like lots of people doing Zoom choirs singing it. And it was all very, very emotional. And as soon as she, and obviously there's a musical theatre connection with her mother as well. And it's um, a song about people who've been lost. And I just broke down. <laughs> I think everyone else thought that was having some sort of demon being released from me with how I reacted. And that to me is the best Tory moment that I think I've ever seen for me personally. It really meant a lot, really special. Yeah. Also, I really enjoyed Take to the Sky. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And she threw in, I think that was Take to the Sky, wasn't it? Where she threw in a day. No, no, it was Precious Things and the Encore. Precious Things. She didn't just say, let them bleed girls, let them bleed boys. She said, let them bleed they. Because today is Trans Visibility Day. Which I was wondering whether, I mean, I've never thought this before and I don't know if there's a connection, but during Beauty of Speed and the lights are all going and it's sort of like a pride flag, I yes. thought, oh, I wonder whether there's a connection there. So let's we'll make see the colours changing, very fluid, maybe, you know, that's what nice. I was thinking during that, which was amazing. Those drums that. were amazing. That. Yes, Beauty of Speed is really, really growing on me. I've always liked it. I've always liked it, but it's never been a standout. But I'm really, really liking this arrangement and this live performance mm. she's been doing on the tour so far. And oh, uh, everyone misjudged when the stage rush was going to be, and we all got up at the end of Spring Haze instead of the end of Conflict Girl. So um, the last song, Conflict Girl, everyone was sort of stood at the front of the stage, which I was finding really funny because she sort of looked up and was like, "Oh, there's people right there in front of me," which I don't think she was expecting at all. And we just like, "Hello." <laughs> And she mentioned the football team. Oh, yeah, she wore red for, for, for the football team, yeah. And she told a story about... Uh, a fantastic story that we cannot possibly do justice. You will have to listen whenever a boot drops for this. It was incredible. I've been loving the chats. They're not, they're not chats, they're stories. They're stories like she hasn't been telling stories since the 90s. They're long and they're fucking funny. She's talking how she used to talk when she used to go on long trailer stories in the olden days. This is what I loved about her and then she stopped doing it. We'd get a small improvs or small introductions and anecdotes, but we didn't get full story time. And she's coming back to the full story time 90s live Tory and it's just, it's amazing. 
amazing. And I don't know how um, similar they are each night, but like the intros on the piano feel very improv like, and she was really sort of feeling it with her whole body. Like, I think one that really was amazing to me was one before Spring Haze. Yes. It was so yes. good. I was like, oh, I could just listen to this. Like, I was happy to hear the songs, but it was just so good to see her jamming with the band and just really sort of feeling those keys and finding her way across it and just really enjoying like the improv side of the piano as well. Yeah. If I had to pick a highlight, I would pick every single song. Because <laughs> I'm a slut. <laughs> My highlight was Scarlet's Walk. Like that performance oh. is something that people will be talking about like i don't know the I, juarez 99 from london i did not breathe through that whole scarlet's walk i could feel myself holding my breath because i, I was didn't weeping exhale. i was weeping and i can't remember the last time i cried at the tory show yes i had people next to me behind me all around me turning around we were all just eye contacting each other as if to say what is going on <laughs> what is happening so that was amazing oh and take to the sky was really fun she threw in like when she did i feel the earth move oh she made she made happy yesterday she, she most definitely made happy with mark last night let's just leave it at that yeah i, I think i think he mixed it good i think he mixed it really well he mixed, well. It, real he mixed it real good real <laughs> good yeah, and I think with that we shall sign off. We got everything covered. Oh, Fairy Tale was really good. Pandora was amazing. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a fantastic the, show. But her little Amsterdam, oh. I think. I mean, her little Amsterdam's are just the greatest little Amsterdam's in tours. These are just <laughs> unbelievable. And I, I don't know whether it's because of the venue or because of the mixing or the way she's doing the it, but the, the sound was so good. Like when she went really whispery and really quiet, I felt like she was like in my ear like it was such a good venue for acoustics and yes it was just the so acoustics were incredible and i said the high notes were amazing but the four shows so far were all very similarly good like i couldn't pick a favorite of the four before tonight but, and there were always standout moments and really great vocal moments but there were others where you could definitely tell that she was still holding back in some way because you knew she had a three-show run to get through and there was none of that tonight none she was giving it her all you could tell it was amazing mm, yeah every number was yes. 100 yes Pitch perfect. Yeah. I love that film. <laughs> no, Should we do the cut no, up? Really, pitch perfect is underrated. You know, you're all banging on about mean girls all the time. Nah. Perfect. So this has been your 1 a.m. rambling. We will see you and hug you in real life tomorrow. We will not have slept. We will not have slept, so <laughs> enjoy us. <laughs> See you. Bye. <laughs> this is, oh no, have a nice day. I'll see you in Cambridge. And here's Amy, our resident witch, who's doing a star chart reading for every show on the US and European tour. I'll see you soon. <laughs> Goodbye. All right, this reading is for both Cambridge and London. We're gonna do it together. It's feeling like it wants to be done together, so that's what we're gonna do. I pulled our tarot cards for both of these shows and it's very fun, very um, 
super dramatical. So for an inner expression of this concert, we pulled the devil card. External expression, we pulled the sun and a card for perspective. We pulled the chariot. Now, what does the devil card mean? So many different, I know everyone has their own thoughts when they think of this term, this word. Clearly, Tori does not have the same baggage as we do when it comes to talking and thinking about the devil. The devil has to do with sort of getting wrapped up in worldly things and, um, you know, too wrapped up in ourselves, our cell phones, our problems, things of that nature. That's how I interpret the card. As an internal expression of this concert itself, it's going to be interesting. I think you're going to see a lot of play playfulness with these concepts a lot of um i think you know different poking at maybe world events right there might be some political statements you know what i mean there might be some again just like playing with that concept of like how we are so self-obsessed and um thinking about how to sort of like incorporate that into the concert in a way that um again uh, is a little tongue-in-cheek. That's what I would um, predict with that. External expression of the uh, concert, we have the sun. So we'll talk a little bit about the significance of the sun specifically within this reading because it's interesting, the placement of it, and um, more, more specifically, the moon or the heart of the concert in nor in Tori's natal chart is, is interestingly placed. It's in a conjunction for these two dates. So I want to talk about that a little bit. A card for perspective, we pulled the chariot. Chariot is all about getting in the ring. It is all about action and adventure and, you know, having that sense of balance in our lives when we're going for a goal just to make sure that the goal doesn't consume us. So it's interesting. I think a perspective of engaging in these two dates, if you're going to both of them, have a sense of what you can take, have a sense of self-care, have a sense of, yes, wanting to go and to be at all the things and to not have the FOMOs, but at the same time, understanding like that you need sleep, maybe you're hungry, you know, just having a sense of balance balance with respect to how dramatically you sort of throw yourself into this concert itself. So let's go to the chart. Let's go to the stars. Um, so I will look first at, um, let's just, I'm just going to look at um, Cambridge dates. And then I'm also going to look at London as well. And then we're going to look at the combination between the two um, with respect to um, Tori's needle chart. So let's start with the Cambridge date on April 1st. Um, this is a really interesting placement. Again, when you're having dates so close together and loca locations similar, you look for changes in planets that move quicker, right? So I have my eye on the moon here and it's making moves and it's making moves in um, Tori's natal moon place, natal sun placement of Leo. So those Leos out there know, and the, the difference between the two dates is significant. So on April 1st, it's in Leo in the, in the 10th house, and then it flips to the 11th house. Um, and again, like it cannot be overstated, the change in that, and then the moon shifts from Leo to Virgo, Virgo moons, man. Yikes. It's just a sense of like this love and um, comfort in detail and making sure that things are in one's place. It's such a um, it's such a emotional placement for the moon, if I can use that term. Right. So let's start with, again, Cambridge, April 1st. So the moon is in the 10th house. It's in Leo. We look at this and we know it's extremely significant because Tori's son is in Leo. And she is a Leo. Right. So. And we'll talk again about why it is so significantly placed in her chart and what that means. But that just means like the, the heart and the emotions of this concert is going to be big, big emotions, big scenes, big feels, um, regalness, royalty. Everyone's going to feel like a VIP at the show. Everyone's going to feel special. Leo connotates again. It's a very royal sign. It is a sign very much associated with appearances. So expect again, like, um, like 
a not so much an emotional experience on in Cambridge, but one of like a specialness. I feel special going in. Everyone feels like a VIP. Right. There's lots of engagement with um, other people at the show. So within these past few dates, there have been so much emphasis on the sixth and the seventh house. Seventh house is very closely associated with all the partnerships that we have, romantical, and it's also called the open enemies, you know, because we all know romance sometimes is a bad romance. But I think the combination with the Leo moon and this emphasis on the seventh house really has to do with sort of like everyone like feeling part of something, feeling very connected to that. And the the specialness of sort of the Leo, you know, there might be um, someone might step on someone else's cloak, right? There might be a little tension there. You do have the sun in Aries that always um, just adds a little bit of puts a little mustard on everything, right? <laughs> just a little bit of a little bit of mustard with respect to sort of like how people's egos are feeling. But I think this is going to be like people again it's just going to be this energy of like people are really going to be feeling themselves feeling really big feeling really uh, magnanimous and and gracious and regalness right it's going to be sort of that type of energy i want to talk about mars for the concert too it's in the ninth house it's in cancer again this is just like what a what a doozy of a placement right so it's like cancers need to make a special home for themselves it's a very emotional sign it's a water sign it's extremely watery of the watery signs right very intuitive sign ninth house is all about that higher learning that higher aspect um the big questions you know travel religion study what's the meaning of life that type of thing and again the cancer is going to sort of make sure that those um types of things are looked at and engaged with in a protected way there's going to be a protection so i would assume and i would predict with these with these series of concerts since mars won't move that quickly is that there's going to be sense of like exploring those higher questions but in a safe way it's not going to feel um it won't feel threatening to anybody Maybe it won't be sort of, um, it won't be a, um, sometimes when people say things at concert and it's like, oh my God, it went viral, this phrase, that won't happen here because cancer is going to be very sure to explore those issues in a very safe way, in a a very safe space. So there are movements on these dates in terms of where the planets are from Cambridge to London. So we talked about Cambridge, let's talk about London a little bit. So the first thing that I notice is, you know, clearly the moon is moving the most quick when you look at these different days. The moon flips from like a Leo placement in the 10th house to an 11th house placement in Virgo. So 11th house, again, a house commonly associated with social groups, humanity, being linked to the whole. So I, I would predict that London more than Cambridge is going to have, again, more of a sense of community, collectiveness, details, politeness, right? Oh, like, you know, very collegial, cordial. These are the Virgoing traits and what we love about the maiden sign of Virgo being someone who puts other people's needs before themselves a lot of the time, right? So that is going to be a lot of, I think this is going to be very cordial, very polite, very British, right? Sort of like this sort of like very, um, you know, um, very, you know, again, like really thinking about how other people are feeling and just making sure that everyone's having a good experience. You still have that Mars place in Cancer in the ninth house. So it's going to be a safe space. People are going to feel safe to sort of explore these issues that Tori's music brings about, but it's going to be done in a way that is absolutely non-threatening. It's going to be very safe, very comforting. The one other thing that I want to mention with respect to the state before we flip to Tori's interpretation of all of this is Venus has moved from the seventh house into the eighth house. So Venus is what was making everyone just feel each other in the seventh house, like just love of like connection and, you know, the embracement of that connection. She slips into the eighth house here and it's in Taurus again. So again, this is sort of like... 
you know, eighth house is a, is a house of transformation. It's a house that we think of commonly with sex, right? So there could still be hookups here, but it's also some dark, uh, some dark matters, some dark insights with respect to the eighth house. But the Venus and Taurus is going to add a lovely little tint to that, right? So even though we're going to be exploring some really intense um, subject matter at this concert, you're going to have that lovely Venusian quality and Venus is in Taurus now, which is such a lovely placement for it. It's going to feel, again, very non-threatening. It's going to feel like a, a fun investigation, right? Um, I predict huge amount of hiccup, hookups in this concert. It just means, again, you've got Venus in that house of sex, right? Some Maybe some taboo topics, too. But again, Venus and Taurus and Taurians, um, I think, not undeservedly have been sort of pegged as, like, behind Scorpio and, like, the horny factor. Like, very horny. Just, like, you know, think it's a, it's a bull, like, right? It's like, they have that sensibility, too. So there's going to be some fun sexual energy, I think, at this show. And again, just watching the change between the two dates i definitely see cambridge as being more of a fiery experience and sort of like people feeling themselves like that leo energy in the moon sort of affecting everyone's experience but then you flip to london and it's going to feel completely different you've got the moon in virgo it's going to be associated with very much with other people Lots of collegialness, lots of cordialness, lots of politeness, right? But you have that zinger of Venus slipping into the eighth house, sort of like touching everyone's sort of like interests, perhaps in one another, because you still have so much action going on in the seventh house. You've got Uranus there and Mercury, right? So it's just is just the perfect combination for really fun concert interactions depending on your um, definition of fun. Okay, let's stick with Cambridge and look at the comparison of what is in Tori's natal chart. So what I do with this is I look at her natal chart and then I the planets that are um, basically whatever's happening currently with the planets in Cambridge, we look at that in comparison to Tori's natal chart. The first thing I noticed, and this is significant again, whenever the, you know, again, fast moving planets. So we look at the moon. The moon is conjuncting her natal Venus and they're both in the sign of Leo. That's her sun sign. Whenever we have the sun is the most, one of the most significant planets in astrology, but it's also significant to our lives, right? It's it's that, um, it's life for us, right? And the sun is very much associated with the ego. Her sun is placed in Leo. Again, that regal sign, that royalty. Um, it's a big sign and it's a fire sign, right? So you've got both her sun and her moon, um, you know, with this transit, and by transit, I just mean sort of like where the moon is now versus where it was when she was born, you've got the moon sort of touching and conjuncting her natal Venus. Venus, like, what do you think it means? It means it's so it's so associated with many of the similarities of Leo, right? Um, a love of creativity, beauty, relationship, connecting, all those Venusian qualities, like lovely food and a nice setting. and But it's touching that moon, right? So it's like the emotion is going to be so much tied to sort of like how we're doing this night, right? How are we feeling? And it's going to be sort of that like fiery Leo-like quality of like, I'm feeling myself tonight. I'm feeling very real. I'm looking, I'm looking a certain way, right? A lot of attention is going to be paid to her appearance tonight, right? It might look very different than, than London 
absolutely might look extremely different because again, even though you have these planets moving very quickly, the moon is only going to touch and conjunct within a day or so. And then it moves on because it moves so quickly. So again, look for Cambridge when it comes to sort of her presentation of herself. I think it's going to be extremely important because again, the sun is the self. Venus is that um, appreciation for sort of our connection, our relationship. And you've got the moon aspecting that natal Venus so strongly. And I think it's really going to come out in how she presents herself. The moon is our heart. It's our emotions, right? So it's like you want that placement when it comes to sort of Venus to be one in which um, there's a comfort in how the appearance of things looks and that could be the look of the self the look of the concert but it's just going to be really important and I really wanted to mention it here a few other things just as a reminder you also have Jupiter conjuncting Jupiter again so significant because it's both in the sign of Aries and it's in her fifth house these concerts are going to be incredible, like just for that very one aspect that we've seen for a se- for several dates. And again, Jupiter moving more slowly, you're going to see this for these for a few of these dates, I think, in the early spring. So the people that are going to these concerts are just going to get a freaking show because Jupiter expands whatever it touches. Right. And if it's in the house of creativity, that's a location. It's super comfortable. Right. Because Jupiter is all about travel, exploration, wisdom, hobbies, like whatever, all the things that we do in life to sort of like... I think I'll look into this today or like, let's play the flute. It's very much like it's an excitable sort of expansive benefit, you know, that a great benefit is sort of how it was sort of perceived in the past. So again, you've got this concert, like just kicking ass in the fifth house, like really going for it. Aries is such a fiery sign. So it's just going to be a show. It's going to be dramatic. It's going to be ambitious. It's going to be out there, right? The one thing I want to notice though, you know, we are, I'm watching Saturn very closely. So Saturn is the planet. We commonly think of Jupiter and Saturn to get, we, I commonly think of them and I like to compare them together because they're huge. They're both very significant planets in astrology and they play off one another, I think quite frequently. So in Tori's third house, she's got her Saturn's there. It's in Aquarius, which is a really fun placement for Saturn, I think. Right. Cause again, it's that playfulness. This is going to be someone who has issues with authority. Just just hands down, which we all kind of see, right? Saturn is commonly associated with the father. So the Aquarian view is always going to be contrarian to that type of authority figure. The reason I want to flag it is because while it's not happening now, we're looking like we're moving towards a conjunction in Tori's natal third house with Saturn. And as we move closer and as those Saturns combine, I'm this will be very interesting because Saturn is a doozy. And when it overlaps on a natal chart, um, you know, you, you want to take notice that's something that you absolutely will feel. It will be very, um, what's the right word to think of Saturn? Like, it's just going to be, you know, when people talk about if you've commonly associated with like the term the Saturn return, it means Saturn comes back to the placement of where it was at in your natal birth chart. You know, that's just a time again for a serious reckoning and, you know, a moment for deep reflection. It's in the third house, which is commonly associated with how we relate to one another and how we communicate. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. I'm going to look at that and see what these next few dates have in mind, because I think that could be a very way interesting in terms of like what that might mean for the concert and the presentation of the issues you have here. 
I can't end without talking about um, Tori's Neptune. It's in the 12th house. It's in, you know, again, it's like the best sign I think to have. It's in Scorpio. Such an interesting placement and a very intuitive, very psychic placement. I'm watching the opposition between that and some of the planets that are going to be working through her the sixth house during the concert, Venus and Uranus. Again, like these are these are interesting planets to be in opposition, right? It's sort of like that visionary, um, deeply in sort of like reflecting and dreaming and escaping and and exploring and then you have on like the an opposition sort of like an opposing side of that you have freedom and change and you know all the things that you commonly associate with uranus so definitely watching that in terms of like how that conflict plays a part plays a part in the concert itself as that moves closer to a true opposition, um, we'll be very interested to see sort of how that manifests, right? You have this sort of dreamlike quality um, and then sort of something that shocks you into reality and like shakes you up and is like, wake up, we're here right now doing this thing, right? Could be a sense of disconnection from um, the vibe of the place, could just be more inspiration. You never really know how it plays out. It's like, astrology is kind of like a weather forecast. It's like, this could happen. And then sometimes you're like, it didn't happen. And it's like, yeah, I'm a weather person. You know what I mean? It's like the conditions were right, but you never know which way, um, what actually is going to happen at the end of the day. So I think these are going to be really fun few dates. I definitely think that you're going to notice differences between the two of them. Cambridge, again, you've got that fiery Leo moon um, that's right on top of Tori's natal Venus, which is going to be extremely exciting. I love to see sort of like how that interacts with um, how the concert is sort of how how the emotions and the people at the concert sort of perceive and receive her creativity, because I think that's going to be a perfect opportunity to watch those two things overlap. You know, watching that Jupiter, again, going to be a really, very, very dynamic and there's going to be a ton of creativity and it's going to look and feel very visual. All those things we associate with sort of that Jupiter sensibility, um, it's going to be big and bold and amazing. Watching that Saturn is those two planets sort of like within her natal chart and um, the placement of Saturn within it moves closer together. I'm going to definitely watch that. But I think again, you know, pulling this devil card and the sun card, I think it's just going to be a time to sort of get out of our heads. Frankly, it's going to be time to get out of our heads, get out of sort of what's going on in our daily lives and really embrace that sunlight quality of like, I'm just going to have fun tonight, right? I'm just going to connect with some people. We have the chariot card for perspective within reason. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to listen to my body. I'm going to be measured and, um, you know, very methodical about it and really listen to what I need in life. But at the same time, I think I need some fun right now, right? The sun is all about like, what do we need right now? What's going on right now? What, you know, always being in contact with that part of yourself. So that is the reading for these two dates. Thank you again for listening. And as always, if you can't be good, be careful. We will talk next time. When you walk through a storm Hold your head up high And don't be afraid of the dark At the end of the storm Is a golden sky and the sweet silver song of the lark walk on through the wind 
Walk on through the rain Though your dreams be tossed and blown Walk on, walk on With hope in your heart And you'll never walk alone You'll never walk Production of the Sideways Society. For more information or links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com.